I'm Greg Lambrecht, founder of Intrinsic Therapeutics and one of the inventors of the Barricade Annular Closure Device. In this interview series, Beating the Odds of Reherniation, you'll hear from Dr. Pierce Nunley, director of the Spine Institute of Louisiana, and Professor Claudius Tomei, the director of neurosurgery at the University of Innsbruck, Austria. You're listening to Chapter 2, The High-Risk Patient. So without further ado, let's hear from these two great spine surgeons. Well, good morning, everybody, and really pleasure to, to be here and be with my colleague, Claudius Tomei. You know, um, we talk about these high-risk patients, and there are subsets of patients from a clinical standpoint that are higher risk and higher morbidity. Can you talk a little bit about those subsets and what types of patients might uh, our colleagues be seeing that, that they, they really need to be more vigilant about um, uh, the risk of reherniation? Obviously, like in, spine, like always in spine surgery, patient selection is key. And this is even more so for any implant and particularly also for the barricade. And um, when, when I was younger, there was always the story about those malignant disc herniations that seemed to have grown back. And, and the patients had two or even three reherniations, and finally they did a fusion, and you didn't know where that disc material came from. It's unbelievable. Why, why again, a big disc herniation? Where is this coming from? And it, it almost looked like a tumor. And then right. um, on, on MRI, I would say. And we, we all know these patients. These are probably the, the end of the spectrum. Um, it was very interesting to find that the barricade study, the, we learned probably more from the control group than we did from the barricade group. And, and what we saw there was that particularly young women with high discs have an exceedingly high risk of reherniation. And, and these were the patients that in our cohort, even at my department, had a 40, 45% reoperation rate. And if you would tell that to, to your colleague, they would, they would tell you, you are, you are just a horrible surgeon ending up with a 40 plus percent reoperation rate, even though this is a very limited group. And, and um, so it's, it's mainly high disk, Female patients are at higher risk, and there's some other factors that we found, like smoking may may have an extra effect, et cetera, et cetera. There are some issues um, which are which are not that important. But what I would also argue for, if a surgeon thinks about starting um, with the barricade, I don't think you have to start with all your patients and be very very broad in your indication. If you choose just your your young women with high disc, which may be only 5 to 10% of your patient population, and you see whether it works or not, um, then you will get acquainted with that technology. And nowadays, it's once we see these patients, we know exactly, oh, this is going to be a candidate with a very, very high risk of reherniation. Yeah, and I think that's important. And, you know, when we look at uh, Miller's and Bono's paper that uh, – uh, was published in 2018. I think this is really talks to this again, trying to keep this evidence based because when they looked at the, um, the, their cohort of, of, of patients, they found that uh, for 30% of the patients that have a large annular defects accounted for 70% of the reoperations. So let's flip the coin and talk about the 13% of reherniations. Now, my colleagues, and we touched about on this at the beginning, like I don't have 13% reherniations. 
you know, and, and, and honestly, I get the same thing when I talk about the TDR literature and talk about ACDF as comparison. And people say, all my ACDFs do well. They all do well or almost all of them. And you can't have that many failures or that many reoperations. That was the big buzzword. There's no way you can have 13% reoperations on ACDFs. That's just not, you know. So I've heard that in, in my own studies with, with TDR. So in annular closure, what would you say to these uh, surgeons that just say, oh, there's just no way? Well, there are probably two reasons for it. One Careful. reason being... <laughs> 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 no, one one reason being, if you look at your your whole population of 100%, and you have a subpopulation of let's say 30 or maybe even only 20% of patients that have a big hole that have a high disc, and those have a regeneration rate of 13%, and you know your old patients, um, your patients with hardly any disc left. They probably have a less than one percent risk of reherniation in who, whoever's hands you're you're putting them, right. and and this already puts your average um, reherniation rate for the hundred percent down to four or five, which is probably what most people would agree to that even they are having. And then secondly, if you if you think about trying to preserve disc material. And having the advantage of not being aggressive, not risking a 30% low back pain rate after five years, as some studies have shown, then you may have actually a little higher regeneration rates as well. But the idea would be to not be aggressive in the disc, close the hole, and still have acceptable regeneration rates. So, so um, I think those are the reasons, and maybe, maybe. Another problem we see even here in Germany, I think it may in Austria, it may be more of a problem in the US that I don't see all the patients that I have operated. If they need a reoperation, they may go someplace else. That's and this right. may be the same for some of the American colleagues. It, it really, the bulk of the reoperations with these people, just like you said, symptom recurrence had an odds ratio of 2.5. So Mm -hmm. uh, and reoperation 2.3, and and these were p values that were in the you know zero zero range. So uh, from a evidence based standpoint, uh, and this was looking at 1,600 patients. So this is not a small study, um, and it really shows uh, that if you have that patient that you described just now, uh, his paper perfectly uh, shows the clinical importance of that. So maybe I can add to that. Yes. You're absolutely right, because that's also something we haven't really looked at that much before, that the size of the annular defect, Karagi pointed that out. He was the one to really establish that, if you will. We were just following that up in, 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 the, in the barricade study and our work thereafter. But if you have a big hole, and it seems quite logical, um, that then it's more likely that this will come out through that hole again, Correct. because healing is poor. And, and so, again, uh, I think it's clear. So when people say and they see that big hole, um, the evidence is really clear. They can't just walk away from it and think it's going to be the same. I think the evidence is really clear. For now, we'll uh, say thank you to everybody for uh, paying attention and take care and have a great day and everybody be safe. Stay tuned to hear from the experts on the level one RCT and cost effectiveness next time in Chapter 3. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe wherever you're listening. To watch the entire interview, 
head over to youtube.com forward slash barricade. Thanks, Dr. Nunley and Professor Tomei. And thank you for listening and for helping us build a world where lumbar disc herniation doesn't define lives. To download a copy of the publication synopsis, visit barricade.com and click the Publish Clinical Evidence section or contact your local representative for a print brochure. Keep in mind that the products discussed in this podcast have labeling limitations. Barricade is indicated for reducing the incidence of reherniation and reoperation in skeletally mature patients with radiculopathy, with or without back pain, attributed to a posterior or posterior lateral herniation, and confirmed by history, physical examination, and imaging studies, which demonstrate neural compression using MRI to treat a large annular defect between four and six millimeters tall and between six and 10 millimeters wide following a primary discectomy procedure at a single level between L4 and S1. All medical devices have risks. Please refer to barricade.com instructions for a full list of benefit and risk information. U.S. law restricts this device to sale by or on the order of a physician. The guests on this podcast are consultants of intrinsic therapeutics. Mm-hmm.